0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Quilt Buzz, the podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the quiltiverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio and I'm joined by Wendy, the weekend quilter, hey, and our special guest, Cabrini of Cabin Week Projects. Hello. Before we jump into all our quilty questions today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Cabrini?
1: Yes. So I am currently residing in New England in Western Mass, um, but I'm originally from upstate New York and I very much identify as a New Yorker forever. (laughs) Um, I work part-time in a children's hospital and then I work part-time as a textile artist and am the owner and artist behind Cabin Week Projects.
0: Can you tell us the story behind your Instagram handle? Yes. Because you so just changed it
1: recently, didn't you? I did. So I started it as this other company called Comfy Dumpling. Comfy Dumpling was my idea to make kids stuff for um, like baby uh, – bibs and sleep sacks and quilts um, with the Lunar New Year animal of the baby. Oh, cute. So the dog, you know, and then they could buy a package and it would show you like all the traits of that animal and all the things you, you know, fun things about that year. And then um, I started doing that. I made this list of, or I did this prototypes of projects that let people order. It was going great and people were ordering a lot and that was terrible because then it became like... (laughs) super sweatshop immediately like oh "Oh god God. I don't want this anymore shut it off and so um so we did so we shut it off I was like I really appreciate your orders and I love you all but I can't do this anymore it's like mentally it's hurting me so like I'm just gonna do I'm just gonna make what I want to make and I'm not gonna touch I have another job I don't have to worry about like this being my income I'm just gonna make what I like to make so I changed it from comfy dumpling to Cabrini make stuff. Cause I wanted to be able to make whatever I wanted. I thought mm-hmm. about Cabrini makes quilts, but I didn't want to like, just, def, you know, confine myself to that. So it's Cabrini makes stuff for a long time. And then I don't know what it is. It's the allure of like crafting. I don't know if it's growing up in America and being like, I have to monetize every single action that I have, but it's like, <laughs> I should just do this as a living. I love it. I just want to do it all day. You know, like a, like that. So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to try it again. I'm going to do a different business model this time. I'm going to make the things. And if people buy it, they buy it. If they don't, they don't. And I'm just that way I can make whatever I like and I don't ever have to feel like under the gun to make 50 things. And so far that's going much better. So now we've transitioned from Cabrini Makes Up to Cabin Week projects. Cabin Week projects were a week-long retreat in the woods that me and my husband used to do um, when we first met. Even to this day, we still love it. And we say that our life, like we wanted to make a life like Cabin Week, which is where we go into the woods, we bring all of our art equipment, we would bring instruments, we would bring painting, he would bring wood carving, we brought lots of liquor and other fun things. (laughs) (laughs) you know, make it, make it a fun time. And, um, bring our dog of course and then it was just like all these beautiful things would come out of that week we completely disconnected there was no cell service no tv no nothing just making stuff making food having drinks taking hikes and so we wanted to make life a cabin week and so that is the the origin story of cabin week projects but that's sort of the sentiment behind it is just like it's my workshop it's the things that I love to make I only make things I love to make now because after that whole comfy dumpling experience I was like it's it's hurting like my love of quilting to feel so burdened by it like i need it to be free
2: of that so okay so let's go back in time um so could you tell us more about your quilting journey how did it all begin okay so um
1: you should know about my like crafting philosophy which is just to do it as intensely as possible just in every waking moment of the day because i have to eat that is like a secondary burden that i'm like oh god lunch fine Cool take time. Right. So I was like this with knitting. I was like a very intense knitter, just like, like a little machine, you know. Everywhere I went, it would be in the car with me. It's like very productive, manic. I don't know how my therapist would describe it, but this is fun for me. It's what I call fun. So um, it started with knitting, and then I thought, I really want to get a sewing machine. And the first person I asked for a sewing machine, an ex from long ago, <laughs> bought me like an old 1950s Singer It's like a super hipster gift, right? It's like a thing that worked 60 years ago very beautifully, but now I have to figure out with no manual or anything I've never used a sewing machine for, I'm like,
2: well, this sucks. Like, I don't – I can't –
1: you know, kick it and and it's not
2: like you could Google the manual either, no! unless someone had scanned it in. But I mean, highly doubt it. <laughs> this was
1: pre-smartphone, right. like, I'm dating myself here, but it's like I couldn't. <laughs> you couldn't like Google stuff. Like I mean, you could, but it's like I have to go to my desktop terminal and blah blah blah, <laughs> right? So <laughs> I'm like figuring Sorry, this out internet. on my own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then I, so I was like, okay, I'm never sewing again. I guess that I just have to put the kibosh on that. Then. I meet my current husband. This is why we're married, I suppose. And I put a sewing machine, a regular one, and one from today's time, uh, on my wedding registry, along with a number of weird arts and crafts things that they were like, okay, this is your <laughs> wedding present, okay. So um, I put this sewing machine on, and I bought a qu- book called Quilt in a Weekend. It was all log cabins, log cabin blocks. Um, this was my very first exposure to this. And I went and they were like, here's a list of 600 things you must buy to be a quilter. And I was like, I am young and I have disposable income. And I went charging <laughs> to my quilting store and I was like, look at these things. I want to be a quilter. Bring them to me. And it was like 600. You know, the lady was like giving me all the stuff. Like now as a sewist, I'm like, wow, not super smart, but you got a lot of really fun things that you might need someday. So I go in, I get the... The fabric is so beautiful. All of these just like beautiful colors and patterns that I had never, like with knitting, it's, it's very, um, you feel it and it's got that textural piece to it. That's very, um, makes you feel warm and fuzzy, literally. And quilting, I felt the same way. Like the fabric just drew me in and that was it. I made a, I made a quilt in a weekend. I showed literally every single person I knew on my phone. I was like, look at this. I made this in like one weekend, a whole blanket. I did that. Did you do that? You didn't even make any blankets this weekend, did you? So everybody, and then it was it. Then it became like, it it incorporated into my quilting philosophy of just like manic obsession. But now look at all these beautiful things that it's fueled. <laughs> it's probably needless
0: to say that you have, you've progressed beyond the log cabin yes. quilts in a weekend style. And and as you <laughs> mentioned, and, and, and we are stealing your words here from <laughs> yes, Instagram, good. but yes. So you do a lot of animals, this is quote unquote, animals and modern nature scenes with some geometric design elements. So is, have you always been drawn to these kind of elements and ideas or, you know, how have you evolved from those, that log, first log cabin
1: quilt? <sighs> this is good. Cause I just had epiphany about this recently. Um, I was like, I'm going to explore my artistic voice and I'm going to do all these different kinds of things. I'm going to do geometry and I'm going to do this crazy thing over here and I'm not going to be limited by whatever because Cabrini just makes stuff. Whatever Cabrini (laughs) makes just goes in there, whatever. And so I just make the things and I'm like, this one will be called totems and this is why this is this deep thought I had behind this. And then I'm like, now we'll be dreamscapes. And I drew all the dreamscapes things. I'm like, this is the inspiration and it draws from this. And they literally looked exactly the same. Like, oh, and my husband's like, oh, this new line is very good. And I'm like, yeah, right? So good. I love it. And I'm like, oh, wait. But also it looks exactly like totems and every other thing I've ever made. So I guess like, I just like that. I guess that's my voice. I guess that's what it looks like and sounds like. Um, animals in weird scenes with geometric things floating around (laughs) it works i like when i feel good when i look at it i'm like all right that's it cabrini makes stuff done you're very
0: true you're true to yourself
1: i'd make whatever (laughs) i think feels good and it's just i don't even know if the thing i thought in my brain like the my mind's eye of what it was supposed to look like it comes out about 50 50 you know, okay. cause in my head, like technically you can't translate some of the things that you imagine, or I can't like until, you know, go through the years. I imagine I'll build up this stock of um, tools that I can maybe express these things differently. But for right now, it's like, I'm surprised myself with what I end up with sometimes. I'm like, Oh, look at that. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> Or, oh, God, that's hideous.
2: <laughs> you know? Let's not touch that again. Right. Let's <laughs> <like> go <going laughs> the bottom
1: of the drawer. It's going to be a backing for something someday. That's fine.
2: Uh, um, so could you walk us through your design process?
1: <laughs> it's much like my mind. <laughs> what design process? It's like, okay, so I have in my mind, I'll pick an animal. What, why do I pick the animal? I don't know. It's a cool animal. <laughs> Lots of cool animals out there. Literally. This is literally my design thought process. Pick an animal. Okay. it's great. And then I'm like, I'll draw 500 things of that animal. It's just little sketchy things, just very, very rough. I'll pick three from there, develop them a little bit more. Then I'll decide that one is going to be a watercolor. Then I'll do that. I love watercolor painting. I do that watercolor, and then I'll take that as the blueprint for the quilt. And I'll try to do it exactly as a match as I can. Of course, like I said, it ends up coming out a little differently depending on proportions and things like that. But for the most part, that's been the most enjoyable process for me. But it's um, a little bit, you know, just from the magic of my brain,
0: you know? (laughs) And had you you mentioned um, just now that you turned to watercolor and sketching and you've done knitting. Do
1: you have a fine arts background or is this something you've just picked up over the years? No. When I was a kid, um, my sister, my much older sister, um, is was of arts background. She was a metalsmith. She used to make jewelry. Oh, cool. And so hmm. when I was a kid, she would just flood the house with these beautiful crafts and taught me how to knit when I was very young. She taught me how to knit when I was nine. And from there, it started, I knit this giant, like, 50-foot-long scarf <laughs> out of one of those, like, 50-pound balls you get. You know yeah. those things from Joanne's? Uh-huh. They're like a size of a watermelon I knit that whole thing in one wow yeah it was a scarf for my mom she was like wait scarf it's gonna sit in my car and line the seats because it was so big and it had all kind of funny holes that I would make bigger in the back seat you know as a kid but um that's where it started and then um my sister just really encouraged playing like a lot. Like Legos were always my favorite because it was so modular. You could, I liked to build things and rip them all apart and start again. I like to see it and then destroy it. And then, you know, it's unfortunate that quilts are so long-term, I guess, that just keeping along. But um, that's one of the nice things about like, knitting and quilting. Now I wanted to eventually find a utility for the things I made. Like, I like that you could wear the things you knit. I like that people could wear them. I like that um, quilts could be passed down. There was something like, I like that it was so tangible. Paintings were so beautiful and lovely. And of course you could do that too, but it's not like using a quilt and wrapping it around you and feeling the texture and like knowing the work that went into it and all of that. So, Mm -hmm. um, always done crafts, always done arts. But now I feel like the quilting gets at a lot of pieces that I like about crafts in general.
2: Okay, so you mentioned earlier that you do incorporate quite a few animals in your work. So is there a particular animal that you like, you know, drawing and working with? And is there a a particular one that you identify with? So um, my Lunar New Year animal is
1: the Year of the Dog. And I have always, that plays a big, important role in my family, your Lunar New Year animal. In fact, whenever you meet a friend or you meet a boyfriend or whatever, partner, um, the first question is, what year were they born? Because we need to (laughs) cross-check that your animals match. And if they don't match, then like, oh, we're not really going to get to know them because it's just this is not even going to work anyway. But um, so I'm the year of the dog. You know, I'd like to like, in my cooler mind, I'm like, it's like a wolf. But I know in my real mind, it's like a chihuahua, you know, like small and very loud and barky and just like taking up a lot of space, but physically not. So, um, so it works, it works on a spectrum, but yeah, you're the dog. <laughs>
0: it's me. So one of the first things that folks probably notice when they hop on over to your Instagram is that you are a, I mean, just the amazing applique that is going on. Um, as someone who has struggled with Applique many times. <laughs> asking um, for a friend. <laughs> a- asking for a friend. no, I'm blatantly asking for myself. Um, like how do you tackle the construction? Um, and like how do you work with your designs and translating them into applique? Um,
1: so I struggled a lot at first too, because you know, my I'm self-taught. So my first place is always Google and then just seeing what everybody does. A lot of people recommended freezer paper, but I found that it didn't. I needed something that stuck to the fabric because I needed to draw on the fabric to get very specific shapes. Mm -hmm. So I tried the freezer paper. It was a total disaster. It was just looked terrifying. This terrifying monkey I made. Whenever I make a terrifying animal, it's always a monkey. And I feel like that's some sort of subliminal thing I'm trying to communicate. Anyways, I tried freezer paper It didn't, it was a disaster. Then I found fusible webbing. That actually saved me. So just like, I hate to, I always plug this one, Pellon 805, and I, Pellon, if you ever want to hire me, like legit, because I say it all the time, I don't even want to. So if you actually do want to start paying me (laughs) to do this, uh, Pellon 805 on the fabric, and you can draw right on it, very specific shapes, Um, cut it out, iron on, it's great with cotton. It sticks most like temporarily it's you could stick it on permanently if you steam it and even then it kind of comes up so you always have to make sure you sew it down but the the wonder under keeps it on for the most part and at that point you're almost like painting two-dimensional like any color that you want just sort of slapping it on in layers if you want to or you know doing intricate like the better scissors you have you know the more intricate you can get in your designs but um that saved me that to from that point of like this can't happen to oh okay not so bad
0: and you leave that um pellon wonder under you said
1: eight
0: oh five on eight oh five so pellon eight oh five
1: you put it on you iron it on then you draw your design and then cut out all the pieces and then iron you just, uh, peel off the paper and then it's a adhesive backing on the other side on the fabric side then you iron that. Uh, so everything you draw has to be the mirror image of the final product, oh, which that messes with gonna me so much. Yeah. Especially with letters. Um, and <laughs> just Sounds like coming from experience. It's so hard. And in my mind sometimes now when I have a really good idea, I'll draw it in the mirror image of what I want it to look like at mm-hmm. the end, which is uh, you know, so I don't have to draw it twice.
0: I just draw it once.
1: Have you ever tried
0: with um with a
1: copier? Just yeah, some stuff I've done. Yeah, some stuff I've done like that. Like if I have something exact that I need to copy, I'll put it in a scanner and I'll flip it. Okay. Um sometimes it's it's really big, you know, and I can't. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say that that would limit you to unless you're using. Conica Minolta. Right. My that's personal so favorite type of printer. <laughs> just saying. If you just want to put a little sponsorship here, Pell yeah. 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 on you too. I, actually, I do. I do. Yeah. Pell on Conica Minolta. <laughs> any other big industry will take you. So for someone who's just starting out with applique um, and assuming they're working from a pattern
1: or maybe um, doing their own, what are your top three tips for them? Um, I would say don't, well, one is the mirror image thing. That's real. That was one that I had to be told like over and over again. And I was like, still like, damn it, it's the other way. Um, so p- the mirror image of everything. If you're using that kind of fusible webbing, I would recommend a fusible webbing. You can also use glue, but sometimes glue leaves a residue or a um, like a coloring on different yeah. colors. So mm. I personally don't enjoy glue. And it's for me, it feels like, just one more step separated from the sewing process. Like I don't even like putting the adhesive on, but I do that because it helps my process. But um, if you want to use glue, it's okay too. But for me, the big thing with quilting in general, and one of the things that's helped me a lot with the applique is don't feel confined to make a thing look perfect because applique especially is a lot of weird freedom and it's kind of an organic thing because you're just sort of cutting it and putting it down. You're not doing the math for the piecing. And, um, you know, there could be a lot of intricate... uh, pieces or a flourish to your design that you could put on there don't feel limited anything you can draw you can put onto an applique quilt anything I've seen weird stuff I've done weird weird monkeys <laughs> you know and it's and just, you just put it out there
0: you mentioned that you will often layer fabric on top of each other how many like what's the maximum
1: number of layers I feel like three would probably be the max. Then it starts to get too thick. I don't know. I (laughs) I try to. I have weird parameters that I put on myself for these things. Like I'm like, oh, that's too thick and too many layers. Three is the number. Why is three the number? I just don't like any more than three. But Like um, max three pizza toppings. Right, exactly. But you can do eight pizza toppings if that's what your heart wants. Do that. Don't feel limited by my three. Do what your heart wants.
2: You mentioned that you've seen some pretty weird applique projects. Like, could you describe (laughs) one weird one? I want to know. I mean... They're mostly... When I, I said
1: that, but they meant my stuff. Like, my weird i made a lot weird of weird monkeys. stuff. <laughs> They're so weird. I don't even show them. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I make that I don't show on Instagram because it's either, like... I like weird... I have a niche... I understand that I have a niche aesthetic and that not everybody's (laughs) going to love it. Like, some of them I'm like, oh, that's just too weird for people to look at. Like, it's just looking inside my brain. They don't need to see that. Like, a lot of, like, funny skeletons doing things. And then, uh, you know, different (laughs) playing with different textures. Now things have fur. Why do they have fur? We don't know. You know, playing with different parts of, like, anatomy or biology. Like, just, like, again, weird, just weird, whatever weird stuff. It's like um, one of these curious curios, like a cabinet of natural oh, curiosity,
2: oh, like, a, like that. Yes. Again, niche. Okay. So what tools couldn't you live without, um, or, you know, would make a world of difference when you are applicant?
1: Um, okay. The fusible webbing. Pelon, again, Sponsor I love us. you. <laughs> I could be camera ready, Pelon. I know I'm not much to look at right now, but I could be ready for you. Um fusible webbing, good scissors, good scissors are key. And I have like five different pairs and they all do different things. You know, I have like the little itty bitty tiny cuts, and then I have my big scissors and like the and the tiny rotary cutters, the ones you <gasps> like yes. 18 millimeters. Yeah, they're like for so little good. baby ones. Yeah. All those little things mm. are the more intricate you want to get in your design, the more you will need things that can cut little itty bitty tiny pieces. So good scissors, whatever that looks like for you. And the, again, and the third is the rotary cutters. Like I, sometimes will try to do it with scissors. I could do it half the time with a rotary cutter. Sometimes it's too precise and I can't do it with the rotary cutter. And, um, it's much, very much like in the moment, see how it feels. But, um, for the most part, anything that cuts and then just sticks it on the fabric. Otherwise is this, that it. It's just your sewing machine. Uh, and and you you do uh, machine applique. Do you ever do hand applique? I kind of hate hand quilting, and I know that there are some that will just throw me out of this room but just gonna shut this podcast yeah I get it I get it I I, I love the um like the allure of it and I've tried many times because it looks so peaceful but I just find it painful and slow and I'm just it looks so ugly when I like I'm very messy and I know I just have to practice it and probably get better at it but um I'm not a good hand quilter and I do still try to hand quilt stuff sometimes sometimes too big for my machine because I have a little machine and I have to hand quilt it and um Sometimes like I try to embrace it as like, it's purposely funky, you know, (laughs) it's a special stitch I do, but Mm -hmm. it's not a special stitch. (laughs) It's the only stitch I can do.
0: (laughs) You're, you're currently working on your first applique pattern.
1: How has that process been and how's it going? Um, So writing a pattern is a lot of hard work and I knew that going into it, but it's a lot of mathy hard work which is like a special kind of hard work that I just am not (laughs) so good at. So I, you know, my patterns are going to be simple, but that said, I don't see a whole ton of applique patterns out there that are modern. You know, I see a lot of applique patterns that are very traditional folk, which are beautiful. Um, But I don't see a whole ton of the kind of stuff that um, I'm putting together recently. So um, I will be largely focusing on that. It's been, a lot of work, a lot of tiny pieces, as you know, you know, as pattern writers, it's just so many little tiny pieces and my grammar is terrible. All of these technical things I'm like (laughs) terrible at. So as long as I can get other people to review it, to make sure that they clean up all of these pieces, um, it's actually, it's actually quite gratifying to see it at the end. And so, and I'm going to be so excited. The testers did their test and it's so fun already to see the testers do the test. It's like, wow, somebody else is making a thing I paid. And when, do you have a date uh, when it's coming out? I don't have a date yet. I know that it's going to be December. It's going to be a holiday um, pattern. And so um, I am waiting a little bit before I announce it on Cabin Week projects, but um, Mm -hmm. should be, I think, starting to be announced on Alderwood's uh, channels in the fall.
2: And this is part of her Modern Makes box, is that right? Yeah, I think it's like a special holiday one. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So yeah. you also make a uh, commission quotes. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that process and how do you kind of like manage expectations and demands? Um, so the commissions
1: are, I've been very lucky to have folks that are, that trust my eye and I've been given a lot of freedom and that's a little bit scary too. Cause it's like, I hope you really like it at the end. So we end up, because of that Um, I end up going through a lot of like, here's a rough draft. Take a look. What are your notes? Okay. Here's another draft. Take a look. What are your notes? I'll do that two or three times um, so that they agree on the design ahead of time. That's for the applique quilts, because those are obviously um, pictorial. And so um, I've also gotten a, Commission for memory quilts recently, a few mm-hmm. memory quilts where I get sent um, the clothing or fabric from a loved one who has passed, and then they ask me to create a particular design that is meaningful to them in their lives. Um, and so I've been lucky enough to do those. Those are very, um, I treat those very carefully because they're you know somebody's clothing that comes into my home Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a very um, precious cargo and so um but they're one of my favorite types of commissions too because it's just you get to be part of this person's life and they're trusting you with something that is so dear to their hearts and is really vulnerable for them and they're telling you their stories because it helps you you know envision what the picture is going to be um and it feels really like a nice privilege to be part of people's lives in that way so um so I keep myself open for commissions right now there's a three-month waiting list but um I think after the holidays, I'll probably be open a little bit more. And so I'll shut it on and off as we go along. But I love commissions. They're one of my favorites. So on
0: that note, it's time to move on to our rapid fire quilty questions. All right. Woo-hoo. I'm ready. ready. I'm ready. You're ready? I'm ready. Okay, Wendy.
1: So what is your favorite time of day to quilt? <laughs> I definitely quilt in the middle of the night. And where do you sew? I have a basement studio in my house.
2: And do you wear shoes while you're
1: sewing? <sighs> I could never wear shoes anywhere. Slippers? Near nothing. Totally barefoot. What about barefoot? socks? Socks Ooh, okay yes. in
0: winter. If music, Netflix, podcasts,
1: or the sounds of silence while quilting? Recently, I have been watching the Golden Girls on Hulu on repeat. <laughs> they are so life-giving.
2: All right. So do you have a favorite snack while you're quilting? <sighs> no food in the basement. Nothing with crumbs.
1: So cereal is the only thing I can eat.
2: What is your favorite traditional block?
1: I love the HST. And what's your favorite color? Oh, that one's so hard. So I said I like I want to say black because that's in everything, but probably blue or red. Uh, what is your favorite <laughs> brand of solids?
2: I, call, I usually use Kona. And is there a particular favorite Kona color that you like? I love rich red. And what color of fabric do you use the most?
1: probably black uh solids or print fabrics (laughs) oh this one's so hard because i love prints but solids are the easiest for me to use do gradation with uh who is your favorite fabric designer i love rashida coleman hale beautiful stuff and what's the last fabric you um i think it was like a charlie harper fox print ones and what's your favorite quilt shop i love valley fabric in northampton um i haven't been there physically in person in over a year but i've been buying stuff online but they have just um the quilt the the fabric i can't find in some of the other quilt stores like there's a lot of quilt stores around here but there i think they're a different target audience valley has a nice like modern selection
2: and how do you organize your fabrics color and what do you do with your scraps?
1: They sit in dust piles in the corner of my basement.
2: <laughs> I literally <laughs> shove them into
1: a tiny, tiny cupboard and they come exploding out like I'm like in the Muppets, like when there's like a surprise. And I'm like, what scrap will we get today? Who knows? What it just assaults me as
2: I open the door? <laughs> Sounds like my scrap box too. I think most people's scrap box really. Right. <laughs> uh, what sewing notion could you live about?
1: Oh, my quarter-inch foot. I have no precision. It's just not in me. The quarter-inch foot keeps me, in, keeps me in line.
0: What's your favorite ruler size?
1: Oh, the 24-inch strip. Uh,
0: favorite threadband?
1: <laughs> I love Aurifil. Uh, What is your pressing preference? My my heart truly wants to press everything open, but my brain says, to the dark side. <laughs> That's correct. good co-
2: reason... But, uh, the hot one. Reason rules.
1: (laughs) Sometimes the heart wins, but not often because it takes a long time.
0: And do you have a go-to long arm quilter or do you do the quilting yourself? I I do the quilting myself at its own
1: peril. Do you machine or hand bind? Uh, Machine bind. Spray, pin, or thread-based? Oh, this is another contentious one. I spray-based. I'm like a lazy, I'm a lazy person, but it's just, those pins, I can't be living like that. It's Mm taking me years to do that.
2: All right. Uh pre-wash always, sometimes. Never. Never. Never, never. 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 see never. that, Amanda. Never. Sorry,
1: what is your favorite part of the quilting process? I love piecing. I love when everything's cut already and it's perfect, and all I got to do is put it together and I can look at the
2: final piece. And what's your least favorite part of the quilting
1: process? I hate the cutting. <laughs> I hate cutting so much. I have to cut so many things. oh my god and some of them I do it to myself because I've designed it clearly so it's like you don't have to cut that you made yourself cut that but I'm like I hate cutting no (sighs) what is one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up oh god I am so imprecise and you know how people do their perfectly matched blahs whatever that's just never gonna be me I can't the points it's like I'm just I'm an organic sort of thinker. The precision, like that's why math bothers me so much. I just can't get that. I wish I was more precise. I wish I could do it because it's so beautiful. But when I'm trying to line things up, it's just futile. Who's your quilty crush? <laughs> I love Libs Elliot so much. Oh, she's fantastic. She mm. is. And it's just like, yeah, I just love that whole thing she's got going on. And what's your favorite recent make? I just made this beautiful mama quilt. And it's um, a recreation of Camille Gressier's uh, she's another artist, um, that I found on Instagram. You can find her through that handle, Um, uh, has done a print. And I asked her if I could take that print and make it into a quilt. Um, and it really like, I didn't think it would be as meaningful of a project, um, when I started it and I ended up just thinking so much about motherhood and so much about my mother and so much about my kids. And that just, um, added so much to the process. So that's my favorite one. How many quilts are in your whip pile right now? Oh, I think I have five. That's how many I counted just now, but there's more s- sneaky That's ones running around in drawers. Yeah, it's. I mean, those are the ones I actually want to finish. There's ones that are like, just never. It's, it's just a of like, shame. I love them, but they must be in the last drawer on the bottom. Let me guess,
2: they're mostly monkeys? They're monkeys and they're weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and where do you store your work in progresses? Well, they
1: hang on different hangable features of my basement. So now they've taken over the pool table and like the quilting thing and like my ironing board and one is on the bed here. And so they just they just hang out. I like them to stress me out so that I do them. Like if they're put away, then they won't stress me out. But if I feel that like it's looking at me and it's like, just baste me. It's just creepy monkey. <laughs> Come on, Cabrini, finish me. So they can fulfill their quilting destiny. I like when they're looking at me. So, yes, they're all out in visibility.
0: (laughs) And uh, do you have any other interests? Specifically, do you still play the banjo? And are you still practicing kung fu?
1: So I'm terrible. I have always been a terrible banjo player. My (laughs) husband is the musician of the two of us. And I... I'm just along for the ride. And again, it's one of those precision things where he's like trying to teach me music. He's like, there's rules to this. And I'm like, I just want to play the music. It's so (laughs) fun. It it sounds terrible. It sounds terrible. (laughs) So I've been banned from the banjo for a minute. I'll come back to it. Tai Chi has always been... Um, oh, in tai Chi. Background. I have that wrong. Sorry. No, yeah, no, Kung Fu and Tai Chi for oh, okay, me. Okay, like okay. I practice a style that incorporates Tai Chi, so it's like a soft style. Um, so they're one and the same for me. That's not for everybody. That depends on the style that you choose. Um, but I still do the soft um, Tai Chi, and I find that to be very invigorating and helpful to me, and helpful to my mental health in this last couple of years, um, especially lots of meditating and things like that. Um, and I love watercolor painting. I do the, a ton of that. Oh. Yeah. And they often lead you to do landscape or, um, <laughs> get this. I do weird animals with geometric shapes in no. natural magical landscapes.
0: <laughs> oh, on I know. Brand. So surprised.
1: Mm. Yes. So on that
0: note, we've got just a couple more questions. Who are three accounts you think everyone should be following
1: and why? Um, okay. So I love Emma Shipley. Um, as a designer she does fabric design just beautiful textiles very rich very maximalist very extra very in line with mine sounds like something steady Wendy beautiful <laughs> love it yeah I think you'd I think you'd love her
2: speaking to me right gorgeous now. <laughs> yeah
1: um, I love Emily van Um, just for that creativity and shape and form her stuff is so cool the palettes are yeah. so soothing and beautiful and it's just um, something different something interesting Um As far as like quilted fiber wall art. She's definitely on my top three at the moment as well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I love uh, Entropies just for like the, you know, I feel like a lot of quilters don't see their quilt as art, um, even though it might be, and maybe they don't need to, maybe they don't want to, maybe that's not part of their process. Maybe they're not interested in that. But um, I like that Entropies sort of views it through that lens um, in a very purposeful way and Mm. sort of uses that and uses that like artist voice. Um, and then, you know, quilting is part of that and all of the richness that comes with the melding of those two. So love Entropies.
2: And before we sign off, do you have any fun projects in the horizon that you're able to share with us?
1: Yeah. So um, I told you about that pattern that's coming out through Alderwood in the winter um, and I'm going to be making play. They're going to be called play kits and they're just going to be pieces of applique that are already cut for you. So all you have to do is take it and put it on the fabric and iron it.
2: And sew oh, it on, fun.
1: but you can Is play. it like a jigsaw puzzle? It does. It do, can be. It doesn't even have to be. It's just a ton of shapes. Like you see, a lot of the um, squares that I do just have a bunch of different shapes. That mm-hmm. came from me cutting hundreds and hundreds of circles and squares and triangles. Just cut because I one I hate cutting, so I wanted to get it all done. It's like eating all of the crust before you eat the good middle part. So I did all the cutting, and then I just use this giant bin of shapes, and then I just play play with the ideas, and um you know, it doesn't stick. It's not like piecing where you have to put it together before you can see what it looks like like it's just um almost like painted on so for me i just wanted to give people a chance to do something without the pressure of making a thing and getting all of these big resources it's just like a little tiny thing that you can play with shapes and colors and then that's it you can commit to it and iron it or you can just destroy it and play with it again another day like legos so um, i'll be putting those together for our uh, fall for probably like november early november Sounds like a pretty
2: kid-friendly project as well. Oh, yeah,
1: totally. Yeah, they were meant – I mean, part of it was my kids too wanting to be like part of the – process and just be around me when i'm quilting and i'm like this is perfect for you take these shapes and do whatever you want with them sometimes they come up with cool things too and i'm like eh, never would have thought of it that way <laughs> it'd be interesting to see what people make with these things on that
0: really very cool note we need to wrap today up and we hope that you enjoyed the show if you'd like to get in contact with any of us we can probably most easily be found on our instagram accounts i'm at broadclaw studio wendy i am the dot weekend quilter Anna, who sadly could not join us today, but she is at Wax and Wayne Studio. And unfortunately, we'll have to listen to this while she edits it. Hi, Anna. Hello. Um, Hello. And, <laughs> and Cabrini. At Kevin Week Projects. Or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website, quiltbuzzpodcast.com, for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we hope that you subscribe to the show and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, it'd make our day. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you again soon.
2: Bye. Bye.